At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Welcome to Healthcare Americana, coming to you from the Freedom Box Studios. I am your host, Christopher Havig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is the podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American healthcare. Along our travels and my travels professionally, personally, and building Freedom Health Works and building this industry and getting to meet a lot of great people out there on both sides of the dial, whether you're a physician, whether you're a nurse practitioner, a PA, anybody who is supportive on the benefit side, everybody is rowing in one direction. And I've never really been a part of that on any other industry in my entire life. That's what's so refreshing about it. But as these conversations happen, I find that the most intriguing people in this industry of direct care or concierge medicine or people just fed up with the insurance-based, hospital-based healthcare system are the medical professionals who used to live and breathe it, were brought up in it, saw just the misery that it caused in so many different people's lives, and decided to be a part of the cure. Sarah Harker is joining us. Sarah is the business development manager with Freedom Health Works, so somebody that I work with very closely day in, day out, somebody I respect immensely. Sarah, you're a registered nurse. You spent time on the floor, blood, guts, tears, everything. You're one of those people that said, you know what? I came into this because I was called to care for my fellow human beings. It got to the point where I can't do that anymore. And then you just started to chart a different path, be a part of the solution, and actually show doctors, nurses, patients that, you know what, you do have an option out there. First question is kick it off. Give us a little bit of story. Like, What was that moment where you said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. The care side is so far gone. As a nurse, I can help out a lot of different people. But systemically, it is so far broken, I have to change gears and attack it from a different direction. Yeah, well, thank you first for having me, Chris. Big fan of the podcast, obviously. Um, that's a, a really great question, and I'm, I'm not sure that it was just one specific point. I think there are quite a few that came from that. You know, we talked, you grew up in a, a healthcare household, and I did as well. My dad's a doctor. My mom has been in uh, nursing administration uh, for my whole life and just recently retired. So we had front row seats to that all along. And being a part of it as a nurse myself, I think there are a lot of places where I felt, is this still for me? Uh, I'm old enough to remember what it was like to have safe ratios and get to actually sit and talk with my patients. And uh, I remember specifically of one patient who was in the hospital with a big CHF issue 
and I was giving him his medicine and took the time to sit down and realize his wife had just passed away the week before and she had made all of his medical decisions, all of his meals, everything. And he'd been going to, I think it was MCL or a, a Midwest cafeteria here for every meal, which of course is, uh, if you know anything about that, very high in salt and not healthy. <laughs> and we were able to get to the bottom of that to help prevent him from having to come back in in the future. And I had that that visit with that patient pop into my head many times as life went on and as uh, ratios got less safe. And I do remember being on the floor thinking, oh my goodness, I have to sign off on this whiteboard or get to check off this medication by X amount of time. And just thinking in this kind of tunnel of got to get these meds passed and I couldn't really care for anybody anymore. It wasn't so much focused on that as trying to keep up with administration's requirements. And that was suffocating to me. It's almost that death by a thousand cuts that you're talking about. It's like, it's so, it just adds up, it adds up. And I always think of it as like that thermometer that you'll see for fundraising. The, we're almost to our limit. We've almost hit our limit of, of cash raised, except it's yep. very much the opposite and very much negative that it's like, I am finally at this breaking point. And nurses and physicians are just naturally very empathetic people, so they want to put themselves out there. I've seen doctors almost work themselves to death because they're like, if I don't do this, it's going to affect my patients. And they don't take a step back to realize this isn't the best use of my time. When I when I get stretched like that, I'm going to have problems. I'm going to make the wrong decision, God forbid. They don't really set, take a step back and say, why is this happening? What is going on? So you you have kind of this death by a thousand cuts where you're like, I, I've reached this tipping point. What happened then? Where did you go? Yeah, you know, one thing that's kind of funny, a little different about my path is that I also really loved my coworkers and the docs that I worked with, the nurses, uh, anybody else working on the floor there. And, and I realized I was taking care of them as much as I was trying to take care of my patients. And I stepped back realizing, you know, I can't go on with this. And I was kind of, you're going to be shocked by this, Chris, but I went through this phase of like, okay, no, I can make the changes in the hospital that need to be made to get it to where, uh, you know, we can be safer. We can, you know, fight back a little bit, bring the focus back to the patients and what matters. And um, as probably everyone listening to this podcast knows, all that does is end up with more projects on your plate and uh, run you straight into the red tape that uh, is causing a lot of these issues. So I went a little bit of a different path. I stepped away from the floor and started a program where I helped reduce burnout in healthcare. I loved that. Saw a lot of success and a lot of empowerment, I would say, with the people that I was working with through that. But I very quickly realized that I can teach them how to manage that burnout and how to you know start thinking about themselves again. But there were still the barriers there that were causing it, which just at the perfect time, I was introduced to Freedom HealthWorks that actually removes those barriers in direct primary care and also decreases the burnout. So that's kind of how I got led off of the wheel that never stops turning of traditional healthcare. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like each step of the way you realize that, wow, if I take this next step, I can actually take a look back and help multiple people, not just the individual right in front of me. And I think that's a very powerful statement to make because too many people just get this tunnel vision. They're like, I have to fix what's right in front of me without actually addressing the root causes of what's going on here. I want to talk about, you know, your work with physicians, you know, in previous engagements, obviously with Freedom HealthWorks from a business development standpoint. You talk to physicians and, and nurse practitioners and, and very smart, very intelligent, very motivated individuals every single day, multiple times a day. And it's this sense, because I've been on those calls, it's like it's this sense that 
they don't know what to do. They don't understand that there's a different option. There's a different path out there. I'm curious, you know, how long does it take when you're on the phone with somebody and they're they're saying, you know, I can't go back to my hospital. It's Friday night and I, I submitted a contact form and I want to talk. <laughs> I'm dreading going in Monday morning. What are those conversations like? What are they? Is there ever a point where someone's like, oh, my gosh, this sounds amazing. This is exactly what I want. Oh, man, absolutely. And I love that you said that. It's always Friday night or the day that they get back from vacation, <laughs> of, you know, where that's looming over them. Of, you know, are we going to do this all over again? Uh, you and I have been on the phone multiple times with people who thought they were getting into their career, going to retire from it, thinking this was an easier route, especially in primary care um, or private practice. And then they're just right back in the same spot. So we're, I'm often talking to people that are saying, I just can't keep doing this. My family's paying for it. My evenings are gone. I'm seeing, you know, 30 patients a day, 15 minutes, running them in, running them out, and then going home and charting. I mean, it is definitely a very heavy weight on people when we're talking with them. It takes some time to get to that point where they're ready to walk away from that. I, th I think most are ready to walk away, but they're not sure how. And what we always hear is, is this too good to be true? Is this really something that's going to work? Or am I going to end up in the same situation again? Talking about the how... Is there a specific, you know, how do doctors and providers know when it is time? Because there's a lot of people who have bad days. They're like, oh, I'm going to go look for something else. But how do the people you talk to and the physicians that you work with every single day, how are they? How were they able to identify their jump off point? Like, boom, my thermometer like will hit the top. There's death by 10,000 cuts in a lot of these uh, physicians' ways or even a million cuts. I'm ready. How do they identify that point? I think there's really two main places where I see it. One is probably pretty obvious. Every time that your administrator sits you down and asks you how many more patients you can take in less amount of time next year when you're looking at those projections, that's always one that triggers it. And then I call this one Groundhog Day of they're tired of doing the same thing over and over again. They're going to bed. They're getting up. They're going to work. They're coming home. They're doing the same thing over and over again. And all of the excitement that came with their job before. I mean, being a doctor is exciting. There's never, it's endless learning and, you know, attracts lifelong learners. So when you get people that get stuck in a rut and are just doing the same thing over and over again and rushing and not able to really dig in and challenge and apply themselves, it's, it is a, a really hard place to be. So I think that's usually the spot that uh, gets people on the phone of, I've got to do something different. We've heard some very colorful language coming from physicians that say like, I know I need to do something different. But like you said, they keep going back Groundhog's Day. I've talked about how it's almost a Stockholm syndrome and even right. more, you know, just bombastic than that. You know, we've had we've had physicians who say, I feel like I'm an abusive relationship that my hospital employer keeps saying, hey, sorry about that. It's never going to happen again. We're going to give you the support you need. We're mm -hmm. going to give you the respect you need, the time to actually do your job. And nothing ever changes. And they come to another breaking point. And we've actually had physicians come up and say, I feel like I am in an abusive marriage right here and I don't know how to leave it. Yeah. What do you say to those doctors and how do you how do you just feel the weight of their situation relating it to something that I hope, you know, nobody should ever have to go through in their entire lives, but these doctors are living it every single day. Yeah, you know, you really have to turn it around at that point. It's it's hard when you're in the middle of it to to see that way out. And I usually ask people, what would you tell your friend that's telling you this? What would you tell someone else that's in that same situation and having to put up with this over and over? At some point, you have to make a move and that pain of 
leaving or the even the unknown, I think, is a lot of times the biggest pain point there. That is less than the pain of staying where you're at. And that's that's the point where we get. So what actually, and be specific here, what actually makes a physician or a nurse decide to leave that false sense of job security, of hospital employment, break their addiction to salary? I feel like we're just putting bumper stickers out there right now. But what makes them break mm-hmm. that addiction yeah. <laughs> to salary, leave that false sense of job security, and actually strike out on their own to make their own path? Yeah, well, uh, it's probably a shameless plug here to say us, but usually when they've, uh, you know, got in contact with us and had a chance to sit down and hear that it doesn't have to be the way that it's always been with these tangible solutions of step-by-step ways to get out of it and build a successful uh, business on your own, I think that's one major spot, one really specific area is when they hear you're not alone in this. Let's get moving. Very collaborative type of people, and, and rightly so. So <laughs> I think that's important to highlight that, there are options, right? There's choices. Right. We might not be the best. Freedom HealthWorks might not be the best option for you. We're a different option. But go into the next one with your eyes open and understand your value as a physician and what you bring to your community and your patients. We're talking with Sarah Harker, the business development manager with Freedom HealthWorks. Sarah, we'll be right back after this quick break to hear from our sponsor, Freedom Doc. Are you a physician looking to break free from the constraints of insurance-based healthcare? Do you dream of having a great practice and actually being able to see your family during the evenings and weekends? Then you need to check out Freedom Doc, a community of direct primary care physicians. Freedom Doc physicians provide personalized, patient-centered care without the burden of insurance billing and reimbursement. On the business side, you'll earn a guaranteed income, have front and back office support teams, plus a suite of cutting-edge tools and services that will help you run your practice more efficiently and effectively. So if you're ready to say goodbye to overbearing hospital administrators and unhealthy work-life balance, and finally put your patients first, become a Freedom Doc physician today. Visit our website, freedomdoc.care, to learn more and schedule a consultation with one of our experts, Freedom Doc, the future of healthcare. Once again, we're joining Sarah Harker, the business development manager of Freedom HealthWorks. Sarah, before the break, we talked about the motivation for any type of healthcare physician just finally saying, you know what, I'm throwing up my hands. I'm asking for help. This is enough. I have to go do something differently. Hopefully, that is continuing to take care of human beings. As I get older, as I have a family, we need smart people, motivated people, empathetic people to stay in because I don't think the robots are going to provide as good of care uh, as as human beings are, <laughs> at least my lifetime. I'll just say that. Looking at our industry, right, the reason why we wake up every single day, right, the reason so many of our listeners and so many people we do business with wake up, go to work every single day. You know, this industry that has kind of coalesced around this term, direct primary care, direct care. And in my opinion, it is such a crappy term. It is, such, it is like one of the worst industry <laughs> descriptions I've ever heard in my entire life. Because you take somebody, you're like, you're like, hey, Chris, what do you do for a living? I go, well, well, I founded a direct primary care community uh, where we help independent physicians provide care for, for their patients. And they look at me and I lost them right there when I say direct primary care. So when we say direct primary care to somebody and their eyes immediately gloss over and we have to then explain that description when we're trying to use the original description as a way to describe something else, it, it just gets this like endless cycle of confusion and you lose them right there. What's your best advice on how to describe this particular practice of the medicine of business, really, to a physician who is just learning about it for the first time? 
Yeah, great question. Uh, I always describe it as a membership-based focus. Uh, we're focused on the relationship again. You get to take all of that red tape from administration, all of the time you're spending coding and billing, and throw that out the window and then spend that on the patient again. Your focus is solely on that patient relationship and helping care for them the way that you desire and the way that you've been trained to care for them without having to think about all of the coding and the stress of that in the next patient in the next room. It takes that rush out of it. What kind of percentage of, of doctors do you think you talk to that have a good grasp on what you just said? They're walking into these conversations saying, yes, I am prepared for this. I've done my research. I've heard about it. I know about it. I know the ins and outs. A low percentage. How many? How many? <laughs> is, it, is it a low percentage? Well, honestly, a lot of them that come into it with a great knowledge of it have been podcast listeners for a long time or they've attended a conference, they've gone out and found the collaboration. You mentioned collaboration earlier. This is such a great field of people who are collaborative and not gatekeeping and wanting to share with their peers of what, what we have going on here. Um, but I would say probably on a weekly basis, maybe 40%, maybe a little less than that, 35% even come in with a, a good knowledge without me having to educate them. So how do we fix that? How do we, how do we get better so that we can put the correct educational items out there so that people say, you know what? Again, I'm gonna. I sound like a broken record here, but there is an option, doctor. You have a. There's a different way to do this. This is what it is. It is actually super simple compared to what you do every single day in a hospital. Yeah, I mean, what a question. I think there's a lot of routes that we can go with that. I think starting in residency and getting um, within the schools, letting people know that there's another way. I know I'm often contacted by colleges now and people looking for. Um, shadowing our internship opportunities with uh, DPCs around the U.S. Uh, I think that's a good place to start. I think just seeing more growth of DPC around, you know, even I've been with the company for about a year and a half now. And even a year and a half ago, I had to describe it a lot more. Now, when you say DPC, people will say to me, at least patients wise, it will be, is that like the concierge type or concierge medicine or uh, executive physicals for somehow get thrown in there quite a bit, but they know that it's a different type of medicine. I think that's a little bit of a change of and a proof of movement here, but I think just the more that we're growing, the better that's going to be to move the market as a whole. Moving into patients and how they talk about it, you know, going, going back to how do you actually define primary care? So many people out there, you stop on the street and say, Hey, here's, you know, you get this answer right. Here's 20 bucks. Define <laughs> primary care. And they're going to look at you and be like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I have a pediatrician or I have a family doctor. I don't understand what you're talking about from a primary care standpoint. And so in my mind, there's this disconnect of what people say internally. And then they turn around and think that everybody else is going to be able to speak the same language. And that's not true. Yeah, that's totally true. I think. Even, you know, lately, I feel like people even know more what a PCP is than a primary care physician. It's kind of funny that they adapt that just from, uh, you know, typical benefits information that they have to put in at work as well. I'm always surprised to find how many people use urgent care as their primary care physician. <laughs> and uh, I know Chris is shaking his head. Uh, that's a whole other soapbox for us to get on. But it's a process, man. Yeah. Or the ER, right? I I'm shocked you didn't say ER. I have a I have a runny nose. I'm just going to go down the emergency room because so many people have legitimately been you know, what I call lost, lonely, or abandoned in a modern healthcare setting where, you know, frankly, these places don't care about them. They're just a number. It's 
like the old like secret agent, you know, song. They're taking away their names, giving them a number. And they walk in, they say, we're just going to wait there. But that's actually faster than trying to get into their kind of quote unquote normal doctor's office. Right. The wait's too long. I, yeah. And so Sarah, you know, a lot of my, I'm not going to say frustration. There's, there's incredible things happening in this industry. I have fun. I, this is the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my entire life. But it feels like so many more people should know about what we're doing, what Freedom HealthWorks is doing, what other direct primary care doctors are doing, what our concierge doctors are doing, what patients of these practices are doing. But as society, we're going around with our heads stuck in the sand and just saying, oh, well, I don't want to actually take time to learn because the status quo is so painful over here, I can't possibly fathom anything else. And that just I guess it's befuddling. It's less frustrating. Yeah, befuddling is a good word for it. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think the younger generation coming to, there's a big push for let's not do things, you know, your least favorite phrases. Let's do it because that's the way it's always been done, right? Um, I think there's a big push for people of this next generation with healthcare of saying, no, we're not going to just do this because that's the way it's always been done. Um, we're not going to, we've seen that kind of push with health shares of people really pushing back of here's an alternative. Here's something that we can, you know, combine with a DPC and, and um, get better care. I always explain it to my friends, especially parents as how much do you hate going to urgent care? How do you feel about taking that completely out of your life <laughs> and getting a, you know, a better situation there, a better experience for your kids and for yourself and sometimes completely avoiding it altogether. So I think the more, just like we mentioned before, the more we can reduce the pain and, and give people great experiences and serve them, the patients that are in front of you well, the word's going to spread, right? Those patients become your billboards. We talk about direct primary care, but it looks like, it, it, it seems like this industry is pushing beyond just primary care. We joke that specialists are calling in and, and just as a, you know, so no pitchforks come after me. All physicians are specialists, so let me rephrase, non-primary care specialists <laughs> out there are now calling in and saying, holy cow, I'm really jealous of what those primary care physicians are doing. I'm jealous of what the family uh, physicians are doing, the internal medicine. Now we're seeing a huge wave of pediatricians start to get into this and start to pick up. And that goes back to your point of, God, could you imagine having sick kids at home and then having to load up and take everybody in and just wait, you know, and just to expecting that horrible customer experience that as an adult we expect, but then throwing in a sick kid. I mean, I don't particularly know anybody else's version of hell, but that's pretty close to my like personalized hell. Yeah. That <laughs> you coming with two toddlers. I get, I get how that could be hell. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So give us your thoughts. What are you seeing as far as trends? Who's calling in? Who are you talking to? Who's really taking this and saying, you know what, this is right for me. Yeah, you know, uh, when you say that three particular trends come to mind, you, you're right on with pediatrics. A little shout out to Dr. Barry, who put together our very first uh, DPC mastermind for pediatricians a couple, oh gosh, it's months ago now in Orlando, Florida. I had the opportunity to go down there and, and meet them and hear from them. And oh man, is that group on fire? I called them the Patch Adams crowd. It was very different <laughs> to be surrounded by pediatricians as opposed to internal med doctors. They were uh, a lot of fun to be around. But man, I'm getting so many calls from pediatricians right now. And I think you know there's a lot that goes into it. But I think the big thing there is the mental health crisis that we're facing right now, especially kids that have gone through COVID uh, and all of the um, isolation that came with that. I think 
that they are really feeling the push of, I can't help them with their mental health. They can't get into a psychologist or a, or a psychiatrist um, or even a counselor for months, and they might be dealing with major depressive issues. That is the common thread amongst pediatricians that I talked to for the last straw. It's, I had a kid come in. All I had time to do was give them an assessment, circle, oh, yep, this adds up. They need an antidepressant. Check the box and get them out and go on to the next person. And it really kind of haunts you as a, a physician, no matter which you know population you're serving, but especially in pediatrics when you feel like you can't make that impact. When you're able to get out of that cycle and take the time and spend with them and develop a relationship where they trust you, you're able to make such a bigger impact on their life and on their mental health as well as their physical health. And I think that trickles over to the parents. I mean, I'm a big advocate for uh, DPCs that are focused on pediatrics. I experience it with my family, and it has been a huge game changer for my family with my with my children. And that's a whole other podcast episode. So. I won't go too far into that, but yeah, pediatrics. The second one is weight management. Uh, I think it's no secret to any physician or NP that's listening to this that um, Manjaro and all of those, Ozempic, all of those different meds that are trending right now are um, everywhere. Everywhere you turn, I see an ad for that, and uh, we've seen a big push for that. That's an area where people are used to paying cash once you uh, get into the weight management world, and and you're able to combine some health coaching in there and see better success for long-term success when you're in direct care rather than traditional medicine where you're giving them pill and they're probably going to go back to how things were before without the time to educate them. On that second point, you know, we see this trend that doctors really inject their own personality. And that's what's so cool, right? Because yeah. you know, when you're in a hospital environment, you see anybody with a stethoscope and a lab coat and they're, they're treated like commodities, in hospitals, I don't know how they've gotten away with this, but it's like, I want that Starbucks experience. I don't want the gas station 99 cent cup of coffee that they're they're treating all their physicians like over here that, oh, go grab any pot of coffee. It's all the same. No, 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 no. I want something that is tailor-made to me, to my interest, to what I, what I need. And, you know, to your second point there, we start to see a lot of physicians that are saying, you know what? I don't want to be just this in a box physician over here and this is what I do. I want to start exploring my passions. I want to start exploring the things that I'm interested in, that I'm getting questions from for my patients. And you know what? I finally have the ability to go out there, research it, and figure out how to actually help that. And that's really cool and very rewarding to so many of these physicians. Yeah, Sarah, I want to ask you here our last question. I love the billboard question so much when I when I close these episodes because it gives me a peek into, into your mind. It gives, you, it gives our listeners just the ability to kind of dig a little bit deeper. So I'm going to paint a scenario for you. And I don't want you to think, I just want you to do, right? Just react. Okay. You are able to put a giant billboard outside of every single hospital in the country to try to tell physicians that there is light at the end of the tunnel, whatever you want to say it. What does that billboard say that a doctor will see every single day walking in and out of a hospital? Yeah, I think that's a pretty easy question. Is this how you want to live? <laughs> that's exactly what I would put on there. I think that's a something you get so in that groundhog day of just check off the box, get up, go, come back, and, and they forget to think about that question of, is this it? Is this really what you're wanting? Sarah Harker, Business Development Manager, Freedom HealthWorks. Always a pleasure, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all you do, Chris. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this episode of Healthcare Americana. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com. 
to catch previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list and visit our fantastic online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all of our episodes. Visit the shop and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced and managed by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom HealthWorks and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.